When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The world of work has changed dramatically and organizations are evolving. A full or part-time MBA from UCD Smurfett School equips managers to react at pace and deliver change. Now is the time to transform your career and gain a new business network. Join our virtual MBA Experience Day on Saturday, November 20th. Register at smurfettschool.ie forward slash events. UCD Michael Smurfett Graduate Business School. Developing impactful business leaders. Welcome everybody to the Blood and Mud podcast. The podcast at couldn't quite believe that comeback either if i'm honest <laughs> i sort of could because i got so used to watching wales play in about 2010 and 2014 <laughs> <laughs> to be discussed later no doubt yes i'm lee and and your very own josh is not very well after suffering a return of the rona mm. uh, this week so he's uh he's not around he's okay he just doesn't think he can go through an entire two hour you know chat whilst wheezing and not running out of breath because we nearly do that every week anyway, if I'm honest with you. So coming off the bench, as you may have just heard, to dominate like um, Alan Wynne-Jones in a midweek Lions game, you know him as Squidge, but on this podcast we call him Robbie. It's Robbie, you, a.k.a. Squidge Rugby. Hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, I, no, I hope, I hope Josh is all right. I hope he's doing okay. Um, it's, you know, much like when someone gets injured on a Lions tour, you don't want it to be the way you get called up, but I'm very proud to be here. Uh, because we don't need a geography six, because geography doesn't matter anymore in this no, new world, this yeah. new digital world. You didn't, you didn't even have to be near to my house, which is quite no, handy. No, so. not at all. Yet I still embody the spirit of Corey Hill. <laughs> yes, you do, and that's not a spirit, bad spirit or body to inhabit. No, 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 I take it. I take it. I understand. J- just physically, Josh is Alan Wynne Jones compared to me being like a squished down version of him, um, as. A little centre aisle, Alan Wynne Jones, if you will, yeah. which is probably, which is no real criticism of Corey Hill. He's a good player, but in comparison, the absolute gold you can find in it, you can probably find literal gold in the Audi centre aisle. 
you know, that you can find almost literally anything. If I wanted to find like slippers shaped like flamingos, that is where I'd head. And I just think, you know, it's like the room requirement in Harry Potter. Whatever you want won't be there when you go in, but it could be there. It won't be what you want, but it's what you need will always be in the alley. You never knew you needed it. And it will be under £10. Absolutely. Two quid for an inflatable tennis racket. Who knew I needed that? So other than you, you know, fulfilling all your strange fetishes down little Aldi centre aisle... (laughs) What have you been doing? We've not seen you for a little while. What what have you been yeah. up to? Is the channel still dominating the world? Oh, I know what's been happening. You've been named as one of the most influential people in rugby. Yes. How does that yeah, feel? Uh, bizarre and incorrect, especially because <laughs> I went and bought the magazine and I was three places behind Alan Wynne-Jones, which doesn't feel right. Like there's a few names missing there and you just begin to list through the players that aren't there the players that aren't on that list um or that the individual's not there and you kind of think what am i what am i doing here why am i here so that was in rugby world right yeah that was in rugby world um i i i bought the magazine while i was in birmingham because uh, i was filming a bit for the Springboks official documentary which makes me sound like i deserve to be on the list um <laughs> and i i met a friend of mine who lives in birmingham and she demanded to come in and buy it with me and take a photo of me stood there holding it. Um, so there's a photo out there of me and WH Smiths holding a magazine with me as the 50th most influential person in rugby. That'll be something to show your grandkids, won't it? <laughs> yeah. When all of this has come to a terrible end, then you're back working at UPS, you know. <laughs> exactly. I was yeah. somebody once. I was a contender <laughs> once. Very briefly, very briefly, people thought I was relevant accidentally. <laughs> But no, seriously though, that's quite incredible. That must—I mm. mean, all you know—you're a fairly um, a, a bashful and sort of self-deprecating sort, but that must be genuinely quite amazing. Yeah, no, um, I, I sort of haven't let myself process it. I haven't let myself think about it too much, and you know, go into any detail on. Oh no, I. I am on this list and there are people on Twitter telling me it's deserved and it's not complete bullshit as I kind of instinctively went like <laughs> when they messaged me asking for a photo, um, like a couple of weeks before the magazine came out and I thought they're having me on they're pulling my leg and apparently they aren't. Well, well done anyway. So other than that, so the channel's still going okay though. Yeah. Lots of work, uh, busyness. Yeah. I've been trying to keep myself busy. Um, I accidentally at some point over the last few weeks ended up just taking time off, which I normally don't ever do. And it sort of just got into my system now that, oh, I, I'm allowed to do that, you know, with, with lockdown and so on. Um, so I've spent a pretty much for the first time. I've just not done things or I've not felt bad for not doing things. So that's been all right. Um, that's Watched a, anything good? Genuine update. Um, I watched Hamilton yesterday, finally. Oh, I keep meaning to watch Josh mentioned this the yeah. other week. And I, I'm, I think I'm more, I'm more dis- predisposed or disposed to musical theatre than Josh is. Yeah. So I think I might enjoy it more than he did. But where do you stand on one musical theatre and two Hamilton? I'm all for musical theatre. Uh, I'm a, I lean naturally more towards film musical. I think Singing in the Rain is maybe the best one I've made, and Ooh, I will stand by that opinion forever. Um, that is a hill I'm willing to die on. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I. On Hamilton, I so I watched the first half and then I I had a bunch of stuff happen. I couldn't watch the second half immediately, so I'd like I paused the interval, 
and ended up not watching the second part for another few days. And I don't know if I was just watching the second half in a better mood, but all of my problems with the first half sort of evaporated in that it's really dense. Like it's, I've got a, you know, a basic understanding of what happened in American political history and blah, 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 blah. But you're really having to tune in as close as you can to, to, to follow what's going on. Um, and I've just, I found myself then listening to the soundtrack over the last few days and suddenly it does all begin to seep in when you can listen to it multiple times rather than really trying to focus on what's going on. All the problems I had with the first half got better with the second half, sort of. I think that was on yes. the movie poster that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it's it's been much the same for me, really. I actually had some visitors come to the house this weekend. Oh, My yeah. brother-in-law came, brought his little puppy dog, a Hungarian Vizsla. Didn't know what one of those was until it turned up. It's for part of the gun dog group. Okay. It's a sort of okay. ginger pointer okay. is the best way I can describe it, if you can picture yeah. that. 12 weeks old, like having a toddler in the house. Yeah. Can't have to move everything yeah. up again, stop them touching things, all that kind of stuff. But it was very nice to see. It was nice to have visitors, actually. Yeah, I'm not no, even sure I'm I supposed to have even done that. I may lose my job yeah. now, but I've done it anyway. Fine. I wouldn't. So. I wouldn't tell anyone. I and wouldn't listen to this. Just when no one's listening. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So yeah. So and I also got back on my push bike for first time in months because my brother-in-law brought his bike. Okay. He he forgot his shoes, so I had to order some shoes to be delivered. Um, mm. and then when we went out, his chain twisted after nine miles, and we had to come back again. And I'm not, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna over exaggerate. So I was fucking delighted. Because <laughs> as much as I know I've got to get back on my back, I don't want to. I came yeah. to the conclusion that God does not want me to cycle anymore or do so any exercise. How... I should just purely binge watch everything. How long's it been? How long's it been since you were last on a bike proper? I did about yeah. I did thirty miles last Ooh. November. <laughs> okay, that is a while. My legs is... were like toothpicks. It's funny because lockdown hasn't stopped you doing that, but it feels in the back of your head, doesn't it? Like it has in Wales. You couldn't go any further than five, even on a bike. You couldn't go further than five miles. You were told very clearly by by Mark Drayford, my next door neighbour, Peter, who's a lovely Mm. old man, um, retired fella, sensible man, Mm. unbelievably beautifully kept garden and outskirts of his house and all that. Um, Last week told me he's not that political, but he's got a lot of time for Boris Johnson. I thought it sounds okay. quite political to me, but okay, let's let's yeah. let's leave it. And then he's getting very fed up with the lockdown rules in Wales being different to England. Mm-hmm. And he said the other day, you must remember Putin's not very political. He said, um, I'm absolutely pig sick of that communist in Cardiff telling me what to do. <laughs> not very political. Not very, not very political. political. No, there's 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 a couple, you know, there's there's flecks of politics in there, but it's it's not particularly political. <laughs> no, you know? but he is genuinely a very it's... lovely man, and I said, all right, please. I have to <laughs> nod. Sure. Oh, really, Peter? Well, yeah. yeah, okay. He says he's got the support of people in Wales. He's not got my support, Lee. I'm telling you. <laughs> all right, Peter. That much is that those things are self evident. I think. Yeah. Anyway, it's one of those just quiet life moments. Anyway. So I'm Lee, there's Robbie, this is us for this week. We're coming back together again later this week for you lovely patrons, by the way, to do the team of the 90s, the wingers. Mm. It's taken Josh to become ill for us to finally get this <laughs> fucking sorted. So you'll have that anyway. Um, you can get in touch with me, I'm at Blood and Mud or LeeAtBloodandMud.com. How do people get in touch with you as if they didn't know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, at this point, yeah, I'd have to give my house address for people who aren't ready. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, at Squid Rugby um, or at Squidgy Goat on Twitter for d- vaguely complaining about not complaining. No, I think I've been generally quite po- complaining about yeah, but the opposite end of Peter and his Boris Johnson takes. 
Um, if you want that on Twitter. <laughs> That's going to be a Patreon special next week. I'm going to get Peter and Robbie to have a discussion about the <laughs> Boris Johnson takes. You referee. I can, well, yeah, because I do have to, be, I have to be politically neutral in my role. See, people forget this about me. People are always telling me I'm like, I'm not actually political. I might have views on certain topics, but I cannot favour either either any political party. You can't be politi- political, but you are sick of that communist running whale. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, to be fair, that's just right thinking, is what that is. <laughs> yeah, that is, it is right thinking, all right. <laughs> right. We're on Acast, we're on Apple, we're on patreon.com slash blood and mud for all people who loved it. I've just mentioned you'll be getting team of the nineties this week as a special patron thing. You get ad free episodes, you get messaging services and all that. You can get in touch with us on and you just get to have a nice warm feeling that you're supporting us. So thank you very much to those that do it. You can do your normal $2 support each month, uh, which has not been increased in price at all for the past two and a half years. I just want to make that point to everybody. Uh, you can have the fact, but you, that is the minimum amount you can put in, though. By the way, you can put in more if you want. But that's a, uh, and then the then there's the five dollar one, which if you chuck some money into that bucket as it's passed around the touchline, you get to have your name read out on here, and we have a go at describing what kind of rugby player that name becomes. Before I get onto that, though, so a very quick question mm-hmm. to you, Robbie: Do you have mm-hmm. a website? Do people even need websites anymore? Is it all just socials? I started one whilst I was in the middle of kind of a an ongoing legal thing with World Rugby during the World Cup, just so I could upload the videos directly there. Uh, otherwise, right. I don't. And I I ran one before when I was a teenager as a as a thing. Uh, back when websites, yeah, were a thing. Uh, but I I don't know. Well, I do, but I don't. But it's not, not needed, basically. Place. I'm just curious. No. Are they just not yeah, necessary no. anymore, no. other than to have a, a placeholder on the internet sort of thing? Yeah, no, not really. I didn't know if you, you've finally been sponsored by Squarespace. You're the, oh, yeah. the last podcast <laughs> yes, Because did you know <laughs> that uh, that you could get a fantastic deal? Yeah, no, is it? No, no, that's not it. So anyway, back to the names. I would like to thank the following people and name the kind of rugby player that you would be. First of all, I'll go first. I'd like to thank John Horan. For stepping into the VIP Ali Brew Lounge this week. John Horan, I picture John Horan as a hooker for the seconds who can't play away games as he's a plumber and takes cash jobs on a Saturday morning, so can't promise that he'll get there in time for kickoff, but home games are fine though. He's very, very he wants to make that clear. I think I've met that John Horan. <laughs> um I had John Horan as a decidedly average Waratahs prop who first earned a Wallabies call up in the lead up to the two thousand seven World Cup. And at least once a season still, trundles off the bench in a test prompting like at least 60% of the watching audience to go, God, he's still playing. <laughs> he now has 86 international caps and nobody can name a single thing he's done in a gold shirt. Fantastic. Your first on this one. Thank you very much. Goes to Daniel Hobson. What do you think Daniel uh, Hobson is like? So Daniel Hobson, to me, is a highly thought of England's 20 scrum off who made a seemingly at the time savvy move to sign for Gloucester, only to make just two appearances and now size his way through game after game for Rotherham Titans. Wonderful. See, mine's not, not that far away from that. I've got that. I think no? Daniel Hobson sounds like a fullback who was on the books at Leicester for a time, mm-hmm. but he's now dazzling in the East Midlands 2 league. Rumours as to why he didn't make it at Tigers range from him liking a drink too much yeah. to running a counterfeit merch operation from his boot <laughs> and getting found out. The truth is that he never oh. quite recovered from glandular fever. Oh. Simple as that, really. Was, was that was that to do with why he was 
he was selling the kit on the side to I'm not sure where that's going. Um, I was going to try and tie that all back. He's n- no. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I love thinking... I love that that stream of consciousness went straight down a blind alley within half a second. That was wonderful. <laughs> yes. I I was thinking of making Daniel Hobson lower leagues than the championship, but a you know want to think the best of him. Yeah. And b that would involve googling a bit more to check what the lower leagues involved. Um, I got you on here specifically and, to do research. That's what that, yes. that's why you're here. So you know, yes, just think I on that might, for Thursday. All right. I was I was worried that might be the case, uh, and that's why I did want to admit. I love I the way you've fallen straight into the rhythm of how this podcast works, though. Yeah, I'll just turn up, shall I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I listen to it every week. I know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> finally, uh, no, finally, one more. We've got a couple more, actually. Sorry, uh, Stefan Prosser. Um, and I think that Stefan Prosser sounds like the type of player that thinks it's okay to make jokes about cancer survivors. <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible. I, we know Stefan. That's a bit of a yeah. He'll find that uh, funny. I think. I'll I'll add he's a <laughs> he's a Welsh winger who thinks it's okay to make jokes about cancer survivors. <laughs> um, who in the Steve Hansen era was once selected over Shane Williams, only to fall between the cracks during the breakup of the Celtic Warriors and find himself just living off that claim to fame, playing amateur rugby for the rest of his days. Did you watch, speaking of um, Shane Williams, did you did you mm-hmm. catch the France 2005 game as it was rerun no. on Scrum 5 at the weekend? No, I, I didn't. I've watched it before. and Of I've, course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't see it back on, no. It's just Shane Williams' uh, hair. Yeah. No matter how many oh. times you see it from that period, it, it doesn't become any less glorious or inexplicable in equal measure. Yeah. Shane never quite worked out his haircut, did he? No. He he never quite worked out what what suited him. Bless him, and he tried and he changed it up quite a lot, but he yeah, never because he had full right. shavvy and everything by two thousand and ten, didn't he? Yeah, I I interviewed Shane for a thing a few weeks ago, uh, months ago now. I don't know what time it is anymore. Lockdown, <laughs> and I had questions about his hair noted down as like a section at the end, depending on how well it was going. <laughs> And it did not I've go done well. that in interviews. Yeah. If, we, if we've got a bit of something going, I will ask these yeah. questions, yeah. We didn't. We didn't. <laughs> I had a moment uh, when I was talking to him where I began speaking because he finished talking and I hadn't checked what my next question was going to be. So I just started talking to Shane Williams. I was having been kind of my you know childhood rugby hero. I accidentally let that slip. And there was a moment on his face where you could see him kind of go, Oh, it's one of those interviews. That's, <laughs> that's how it's going. I'm afraid my wife's great. calling me from another room, Robbie. I need to go. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He was very nice. He was, very, you know, he was lovely and all that. Um, but yeah, that was that was a moment. That was a thing that yeah. happened. That was my chat. With I Shane. mean, you can't possibly comment because you love him so much. But he is quite possibly one of the most dreadful pundits I've ever heard. But um... it, uh, to be honest with you, um, God, if I'm honest with you, um, that's just. It's just that he is honest with us. You can't take that away from him. Yeah, I'm honest. Yeah, it's too much. I don't know what Anyway, so uh, anyway, to go back to that 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 game, there was Kev Morgan, who, who never looms yes. large in my mind. He should loom larger, Kev Morgan, because he was, I think, because he looks like he looked like the sort of awkward kid that would be drawn in a in a comic about Grange Hill or something. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, was it, he, he, he was one of those absolute people who didn't look like he should be a brilliant sportsman, but he was an amazing runner as well, apparently. He ran like the 200 and the 400 metres yeah. and was was incredible. And But small, but obviously a great rugby player. And he, um, there was one, 
Rougerie attack uh, broke down the right. I don't know if you remember this okay. bit. Morgan covers across and puts in, well, technically the most horrendous tackle I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. He literally puts his head in front of Aurelion Rougerie in full flight knees and somehow tries to stop. Funnily enough, Rougerie bounces him off. Do you think? Yeah. And he somehow Somewhere. got up and looked fine. Purely Somewhere. through luck rather than design. Somewhere in Gorsainen with a notebook sat there is a young Lee Halfpenny making notes <laughs> on that tackle. Yes. <laughs> Going, that, now that, if I just yeah. adjust it a bit, that'll be great. Yeah. This is how you tackle in international rugby. <laughs> His granddad, meanwhile, starts searching online for scrum caps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, last person. Uh, in the in the VIP lounge is Mark Perkins. Go, Robbie. What kind of player is Mark Perkins? I have Mark Perkins, an incredibly solid but boring to watch Kiwi outside centre, named Sale Sharks Player Player of the Season three years in a row without scoring a single try. <laughs> That's bang on, actually. Um, I've got Mark Perkins. I've gone lower level again. More man a low level this week. I've got Mark Perkins. He's a local GP. He's Dr. Mark Perkins, to give him his full title. Oh. He plays blindside and has an unquenchable appetite for on-field violence. The results of which, however, he diagnoses on the spot and does a full detailed handover <laughs> to the paramedics when they arrive. See, that's that's a that's just a funny sketch. That's just a <laughs> fun idea for a little little rugby sketch. We begin as we always begin, uh, nineteen <laughs> minutes in, by yes. talking about the player spotted. I'd like to thank Carl Innes who DM'd us this week. The player spot is where we ask you to send in mundane spottings of players, whatever they're up to, as long as it's nice and boring and loads of nice and boring details in it. Carl sends it, this into the DMs. He says, In my third year of university, our house backed onto Pitville Park in Cheltenham. Don't know it. I'm sure some listeners do. One afternoon, my housemate and I were sat on one of the park benches when I saw a set of blonde curly locks flash past on a bike. First clue. Cheltenham, okay. blonde curly locks. Took me a second to clock that it was Billy Twelve Trees. Yes. Accompanied by a screaming young child in a baby seat on the back of said bike. We were there for maybe half an hour and Billy just kept riding past with baby. And it became quite clear to us that he was trying to get the child to sleep. (laughs) It eventually worked because on one of the final passes, it was a silent child. And Billy rode off triumphantly into the sunset, his work completed. That's so Billy Twelve Trees, isn't it? <laughs> I'm that just he about takes to him that. fifteen attempts, but eventually he gets it right. <laughs> yes. He probably found some really creative attempts, creative way to send a child to sleep. Yeah, fifteen attempts just to get a kid to sleep. On a bike, man. I've heard about driving your kid round, but I mean, fair dues to Billy. He's ahead of the curve here on this carbon Absolutely. footprint shit, isn't he? Get him on the bike. <laughs> Do you think that I would not be surprised at all if Billy Twelve Trees is a massive eco warrior. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I've, I've funny enough, as I mentioned, I was I was back on my bike this morning, mm. and you do get there's a lot of a road rattle, yeah, on a bike. So I imagine the baby seat on the back. No wonder the kid wasn't getting to sleep. It was basically on like one of those like tremble boards, effectively trying That's... to go to sleep. He's for, I find riding my bike around the park really relaxing. I'm sure my child will as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then he hasn't quite put together all of the logistics until he's about four minutes into trying to shut him up. Never understood that driving your kid around to go to sleep. I know you're without child. Um, <laughs> yes. Or, or children. 
I've never, I never understood where you externalise a lot of things with your kid that you need to do. Mm. So driving your kid around in the car to get to sleep is not a sustainable strategy, is it? No. Especially no, they wake I... up at three o'clock in the morning and you've had some red wine trying to fucking forget how bleak your life is. Now you've got a kid that won't go to sleep. But um, it's the other thing. The other thing you see it when you you probably you may have seen this out in restaurants mm. where where parents threaten a really rubbish outside agency to deal with their own kids. And the outside agency is usually what they call the man. And the man is always <laughs> a 17-year-old lad who's yes. a waiter. Yeah. You need to sit down because the man's coming now. The man will tell you. The man will be telling you if you don't sit down. Even a three-year-old could go, yeah. that's fucking Dwayne. And he doesn't <laughs> give a fuck. Yeah. You know, kids are not stupid. He's here for a couple and of And if he did give a fuck, I don't recognise his authority, if I'm quite honest with you. <laughs> See, except I remember, I remember when I was about nineteen, the first time I was on the other side of that, and I all right, a, a mum talking. <laughs> I mean, to her Robbie, kid. I love you. I've met you, but I can't think of a less intimidating man to come over and oh, tell my kid off. Absolutely not. No, yeah, I. Uh, but I vividly remember this woman going, "Now be careful of the man there. You know, just watch out for. I need you to be careful. You know, the man's trying to walk by." And they're like, oh, am I the man now? Did Coldplay <laughs> write a song about me? I, Did you grow in stature as it, as it sunk in? A, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> um, like Tom Cruise standing on a box. Um, and I, yeah, I kind of felt like I'm an adult now, right? I should, okay. Uh, that was the moment I realised that I'm older than six. <laughs> and you need to put that down, Johnny. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, I, no, actually, I remember the kid was called Benji. Um, I mean, that's a court-martial offence in itself. I know it's not his fault. But... I know. It stuck in my head because him saying something like, she then said something after that, like, um, no, Benji, don't do that. And it just occurred to me, like, that could actually be, having mentioned Tom Cruise, dialogue from a Mission Impossible movie because Simon <laughs> Pegg's character is called Benji. Um, and it yeah. just, something in my head clicked. I think it was like the week I watched all the Mission Impossible movies back-to-back. Um, which I did one week when I was in uni. Um, anyway, yeah, that's a there's a that's not. And then what do you do when you get home then? And 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 Benji is doing the same thing at the dinner table and not eating his dinner and cocking around with a knife. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So I'm going to phone the man again. (laughs) Yeah. No, you you ring Billy Twelve Trees, who has started (laughs) a service. (laughs) Yeah. What would you call that? Disciplineroo. Oh, I don't know. Do you think you know in the the story about his dad? Um, and how Twelve Trees is his mother's name, but his dad took her name when they got married because he was a tree surgeon and he thought it was great for business. <laughs> that is outstanding. Which it's it's a a great bit, isn't it? I appreciate someone that commits to a bit by changing their name. Um, do you think Twelve Trees would try and marry someone deliberately whose name is like Caris Child Bike Carrier, Caris <laughs> Caris <laughs> Bike Child Pacifier? Yes, <laughs> starring Vin Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> the um. Oh, what what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Billy, uh, Billy Trump was on a bike. You've actually brought that back. Well done. Yeah. Thank God you're here. So um, so there you go. Thank you, Carl, and thank you, Billy, for showing us all the way. Quite frankly, showing us all the way of how we should Absolutely. be doing this stuff. And if you want to get in touch with the play spotted, you can do the DMs at Blood and Mud or as Lee at bloodandmud.com. Spare no mundane detail and you may get it read out. Some days the couch just calls to us. Take a seat. 
Grab the remote. My cushions are extra cosy today. And while we all want to get off the couch to set a healthier routine, not knowing how to start can feel overwhelming. Healthy Ireland is a trusted source for easy-to-follow tips and advice, like getting a friend involved with your healthy habits so they'll be able to motivate you on those tougher days. Search Healthy Ireland and get set for life this winter. From Healthy Ireland, a Government of Ireland initiative supporting health and well-being for everyone and helping us off our couches. The world of work has changed dramatically and organisations are evolving. A full or part-time MBA from UCD Smurfit School equips managers to react at pace and deliver change. Now is the time to transform your career and gain a new business network. Join our virtual MBA Experience Day on Saturday, November 20th. Register at smurfitschool.ie forward slash events. UCD Michael Smurfit Graduate Business School. Developing impactful business leaders. I suppose we should, you know, move on to talking about the news. We've not been on for two weeks, of course. We had to miss last week because Josh, because of Josh's corona, and we couldn't quite organise getting anything else done. Um, so we just we just decided to skip a week. So thank you everybody for your patience. Um, so we've got some news. We're not going to cover a whole two weeks of news because that would be silly. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to pick up what's happening this week and maybe some other stuff that we remember will come up later on. So, so, well, linked to the last time we did say about the news, because the last time we were on, we did say that um, Stephen Myler had finally been released by Northampton, and I made mm. a joke about he's going to have a really boring plastering business. Now, that's been completely fucking ruined now, hasn't it? Because he has been signed by the Ospreys. Your club, Robbie. Take yeah, it away. Yeah, it's even more boring than a plastering job. Um, <laughs> but if, if Alan Clark was still in charge, it certainly would be. Um, but yeah, I, so, um, I, this week as a, a side anecdote, that's just become vaguely relevant. I used a public toilet for the first time since the pandemic started. Um, I was, was it, uh, exhilarating. Oh, it, it was, it was thrilling. It was, I, I was going to go into more detail and I'm going to stop just there. <laughs> um, just in case Billy Twelty's having to cycle by for child. Um, so yeah. And I, had a moment i kind of sat down on i said on the public toilet for the first time in months and i took my phone out to have a glance and i just had a text from my brother in all caps saying stephen myler has signed for the ospreys at which point i checked twitter saw it was true and just started giggling <laughs> and i just i just laughed which is not you know even when there isn't a pandemic on hearing giggling coming out of a toilet cubicle <laughs> <laughs> isn't what you want to hear. Um, and I think that roughly sums up how I felt when I saw Stephen Myler's over the Ospreys until I realised moments later, the worst thing about it is, given the Ospreys' debt, this is actually quite a good signing. Yeah, well, yeah, experience-wise, I suppose, mm. and all of that. He's, he's not going to do any harm, is he? I mean, no. he's, I think what we do learn is obviously that a 35-year-old with all the pizzazz of a, of a Morrison's value margarita yes. frozen pizza is preferable to Luke Price, that which we do learn from, yeah, from this signing. Price. And I think yeah. that there was a really funny bit. Um, what was the quote from Toby Boone? Let me try and find it. It was the biggest like like shade thrown in a, in a, in a press release <laughs> at your current staff. Oh, no. What was it? What was he said? Because kind of the other side of this, I guess, is that Gareth Anscombe still isn't fit. And because I presume there's some massive clock on the wars of Wales Online, they said in their article about Stephen Myler signing, it's been 341 days 
since Gareth Anscombe got injured. And presumably they're just still ticking it along until he plays another game. And apparently, I've got it down to shit as well, just having realised that he still isn't fit to play and he probably won't play. When, Everyone on the Ospreys management team's got an app with that counting. Yes. Like, the, like those days since, day since your last drink sober apps. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. No, well, this is what Toby Booth said, new coach. Okay. I'd forgotten Toby Booth was a new coach there. I thought it was meant to be Mike Ruddock. I've lost track of all that as well. That's news to me. It might be news to anybody else listening. Yeah. So <laughs> Toby Booth says, we have identified positions where we need strength and real quality. <laughs> oh, no. So we felt we... Stephen would add some real value on the field. Uh, yes. I mean, poor Luke. He'll be sat there weeping in the corner, won't he? But the the thing about Luke Price though is that he was genuinely trying his best. Oh God, yeah. And it it was and that that kind of that crackled off him through every game was how much yeah. he was desperately trying his best. <laughs> yeah. And I just I felt really sorry for him for about two weeks. You can make fun of him for just not being very good, and then you just start to go, no, this is a guy who's doing everything he can. He's just not. He's been overpromoted to a level in which. He's a he's aware of that. You could tell he doesn't think he's good enough either. I felt so sorry for him every what? time it's, he bundled out. It's we're laughing, but it's a serious point actually. In that I don't think people recognize. And, and to be honest, we've all taken the piss out of players at this mm. level and at international level. To be honest, you know, well, I've made a fucking what if you call it a career, which you shouldn't. I've made a career out of it. But are the the. Mm. I never. We talked about this, me and Josh. We talked about John Kerman on the documentary, the the New Zealand documentary of the week. It never entered my mind, or not not it didn't enter my mind enough that people who were really good at something could also be diffident. Yes. Yeah. That they wouldn't believe they were good at it, because yeah. all I ever saw when I was I didn't feel like believe I was good at rugby when I played rugby because I wasn't very good at rugby, but I was probably worse, you know, <laughs> QED. Yeah. Yeah. But it was. <laughs> But I probably played worse and wasn't as good a player as I could have been because of that diffidence. Yeah. But I assume my diffidence came from, my, my lack of belief came from not having enough talent. Mm. But then I, you look at, you see people like Luke Price who've, who've got, you know, whatever we might say about him, enough yeah. talent to play a professional game of rugby. Yeah. And yet they have the diffidence. And then, and great, I don't know if you know cricket, but it was one of the biggest mm. problems, if, if that's the right word, with the, with the batsman Graham Hick. He played mm-hmm. in the 90s for England. He, was, he was, had all the talent in the world, but never quite mm. believed in himself enough. Yeah. And it's probably more common than you think. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. It will be. And we're beginning to see more and more stories of depression and of players talking about that and talking about, you know, the, the stuff with uh, Graham Morrison talked about it, but he mentioned that a lot of the Scotland team course, during yeah, that era yeah, yeah, yeah. just didn't think they were and there. I've made loads of jokes about Graham Morrison. I have. I feel no, terrible I now. Yeah, there was a. So there was a. Uh, he mentioned something that I'd written in that article as well. Of like, he ran through some stuff he'd talked about, and I recognised immediately. Like, oh, I wrote that. Was um, that one on on my on our my blog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so I I tried to DM him. Um, he didn't follow me, and eventually I managed to get. I I had I got a message from his brother. Um, another point wow. and I messaged him and I sent a long um, message to Graham Morrison kind of like asking can you pass this on please um, basically apologising and saying I, I hadn't thought about it at this point and because basically at that point I was a nobody you know I was a I just graduated um, I had like 200 followers on Twitter or whatever it was um, and it was like this, maybe the third article I wrote for you and yeah, I just kind of was taking exactly I was just kind of taking pot shots because I felt like the thing to do to stand out 
Um, and I wouldn't do that now, you know, I'd, unless you're Ben Youngs, in which case I wouldn't. <laughs> the, except the well, thing, the thing is, is, he's not diffident. No, yeah, and he's got 99 caps as well, and it's kind of there's a level of actually he's okay, and I think it's in a joking enough manner, you know. And I, I'm very careful with what I do now, and it did, you know, I was it's something I was already thinking about, but I was very conscious when I read that of even before I was anyone notable, even before not just, I suppose I'm the 50th, but whatever, yeah. Um, you are someone notable. It's okay. It's okay to say <laughs> that. Yeah, but I've had, you know, I've had to come to terms over the last year with the fact that people listen to what I say for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and actually, I had to realise that people were listening even before my voice was very loud. Um, so yeah, that's a that's an aside. But I, just, I reckon it happens far more than you think. What we've learned through research recently mm. is, and, and there's, a, there's a burgeoning school of, of leadership theory about how how poor about shame and vulnerability yeah, and about how we all have to understand that that exists and we'll figure out how we lead people yeah. and how, and in sport, that's really important. And shame is unequivocally a terrible motivator of people. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you want to get long lasting motivation, it doesn't yeah. work. But, and then if you've got somebody who is vulnerable or is different, it's even worse. And then when you watch documentaries about sport, so much of the motivation is shame-filled. Yeah. Not trying hard enough, not doing your best, not being good enough for the company around you, all of that kind of stuff. And I think it, and I've not been anywhere near a professional team to know Mm. if it's changed or, you know, and I do think it's going to be be an interesting time, I think, whether sport will remain the way it is or what. I don't know. I think so much of that, I think firstly there's a point in, that's clearly what happened with Michael Checker's Australia for me, mm. is that that was how he motivates people. And that's why if you look at any team he coached, they were great for the first sort of year and a half, two years. And then that began to wear off every time if he stayed in a job for more than two years. Yeah. Um, and I think clearly he was just, he was a very negative motivator. And that's not to say that's a problem, but it's just, it's how he worked. Well, it needs to be a, a tool in a tool it. bag of things. And I think yeah. it, if you're going to base your whole leadership strategy and culture on just telling people that the shit and not good enough, they need to pull the fucking finger out. Yeah. Which is really what sport always is, isn't it? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that. It's just very male. You know, it's that kind of, not to go into whole toxic masculinity and so on, but yeah. it's the, it becomes. You should just be able to, to do this. Yes. And if you can't, there's something wrong with you. And yeah. you should be ashamed of that. So fucking sort yeah. it out, you know. Exactly, yeah. And then kind of shame is one of the like four emotions you feel it's it's not okay to feel, but you recognize as a thing, you know, as you're you're taught that you may mm. experience at some point. And I was taught very much I'm going to experience a lot of shame. Um and I don't know why I'm laughing. Yeah. It's just because you still always yeah. say it. Um But yeah. So I I don't know, I think it's a massive problem and I think it's you know, as well in the something I mentioned with the, the message of uh, Graham Morrison as well, but it was probably the most depressed I've been in my life at that point as well. And like I was in yeah. a, not a great place. And I think that then feeds out and it kind of, you know, when you're yourself feeling so negative, it then bleeds out and will affect other people and the stuff you're doing kind of, you know, it manifests into stuff you're writing, into stuff you're doing and conversations you're having. Um, and it becomes this horrible vicious circle because then it brings people down and then they, you know, start doing the same thing and it passes off on to some kind of like horrible mental health zombie thing. Um, 
yeah, this is this this tangent's gone in a completely different direction to any of the ones Josh does. I haven't mentioned playing the guitar once. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a huge issue that's beginning to I think be tackled just by the fact that people are you know this conversation is happening now on a rugby podcast in the yeah, and it's really weird because you look at someone like John Kerwin and you think, well, he was brilliant anyway. Yes, and as a yeah. part of it, but imagine how brilliant he could have been if we if, if there had been a different. Yeah approach and i suppose it's how many people will not be lost to top level rugby i don't know, I don't know. anyway yeah. we spent too long on this and i'm not qualified to talk about it but i just think it's a it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens i think because Absolutely. i was watching a documentary i think what made me think of it i was watching one of those there's so many college and high school football american football documentaries mm. on on netflix yeah. And I was watching the coaches, and it's just like, this is just wall-to-wall telling them that they're all shit. Yeah. And that yeah. they need to fucking pull their finger out. And shouting. Shouting so loud all the time. And then you watch any, you know, fictional sports movies, and they're all, eventually they come together, and they're, they're inspirational, and it's heartfelt speeches, and everyone's yeah. crying. Um you know, maybe there's a lesson to be learned from that. Maybe they should just hire Kevin Costner and he can give heartfelt speeches to every single team. But interestingly, if you think about the inches speech, oh God, we really have got a tangent here. If we think about, <laughs> if we think about the inches speech from any given Sunday, mm. what makes that so powerful is how vulnerable Al Pacino's character is. Mm. I've yeah. fucked up everything. Every part of my life has been a wreck. You know, and we need, and I've, I've managed to claw it back through inches. And who wants to help me? You know, yeah. do these, you know, who's going to help me get these inches and all that? And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But it just, that literally just made me think about it. But actually, the most, probably one of the most iconic speeches in movie sports is about the coach yeah. finally showing I'm vulnerable and we exactly. all make mistakes. And we're now going to, we're going to use that to bind us together. Anyway. I think that's probably quite a running for, yeah, sorry, we can, we can move on. We can move on before we just <laughs> no, get into it. Finish like... your point. Go on. No, just, it was, I was going to riff on, um, just that point, I think that that becomes the case as they learn by the end of the movie that actually being vulnerable is great. <laughs> and having had a period during lockdown where I wa- I had a week where I watched a bunch of American sports movies um, that I hadn't seen. And so, yeah, so I think I've, I'm suddenly well qualified on that topic. So there you go. That actually started off with Stephen Myler signing for Osbury, <laughs> yeah. would you believe? Yeah. And then I said he was a bit like a pizza. While we're talking about pizza, right? Question for you, because I got into, I got I got into this debate. You're a younger person than me. I and yes, and you are, and my kids are in the late teens, and mm. they had some friends around, and it and it and they asked me tomato base on a pizza versus barbecue sauce base, which is apparently available in the likes of Domino's. Right. Where do you stand on the tomato sauce base versus barbecue sauce base? Tomato sauce base. I've never had a barbecue sauce base. I don't feel it's a competition. I, I don't, don't understand why like anybody would even even consider that that was something you would want to have. But there were a number no. of young people who thought, I said, well, literally, like, you take, like, Heinz barbecue sauce yeah. and, like, wipe it all over the pizza and then lob cheese on it. That that is That is news to me. I had not heard that. I have no intention to ever try one. No. Because if, that, if not... that becomes a new normal, I might be starting to root for the coronavirus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Coronavirus based on a pizza. See how that works. <laughs> moving on. Mm. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Jamie Roberts might be signing for the Dragons. Yeah. And it looks Which like it's probably going to happen. It's not been confirmed. It looks like it's probably going to happen. 
that'd be that'd be a lot of fun. I'd enjoy that. I'd quite like to see Jamie Roberts back in the you know back playing Friday night games in the Pro 14. That'd be because he suddenly feels quite quite almost glam for Welsh rugby. Yes, as he's kind of internationally known name. He's, he feels very glam for Newport. I'll say I'll say that much. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But then you know, like mm. Luke Price would feel glam for Newport. Because <laughs> um, yeah, I I'd be really excited to see Jamie Roberts playing in more average low level pro 14 game or pro 86 as it might be that put by that point of game <laughs> yes pro solar system yes, <laughs> yeah. so yeah but obviously it's it's kicked off the usual row in that very detailed corner of welsh twitter hasn't it about funding yeah and i um, honestly you know what i really want to understand it it's not that I don't want to understand it, but every time I think I should read this thread because I'm sure because they're very knowledgeable people, all of them, right? I, yeah. think, I, I should yeah. read this thread because I'll, I'll understand something. And I get, and I'm just like, I just can't. You, it's just, you well, get... actually, if anything, it's sure. And I'm not, I'm not a thick person, so I should be able to understand it. But I, I lose track of what the different yeah. bits of funding they're talking about. So, like, because which I suppose just shows you how fucking complicated, both financially and politically, <laughs> that whole nightmare is really. So and. In the, the best possible sense, I don't really care. I've come to realise that over trying to, that actually, I, I'm interested in the broad strokes, but I, I'm not really that bothered by the nitty gritty. And just, I've tried to read enough Fred's and Wales Online articles and what have you yeah. about this. At the end of the day, you just kind of go, yeah. I yeah. think because I'm not invested in it, I just think, well, actually, I'm taking a kind of um, whole system approach to this. Not the same yeah. reason why... It's a good idea Polish people come to this country because they earn mm. money and they send it home. Yeah. And the one way you can look at that is go, oh, they, they fucking send money home. Don't even spend it. And I go, yeah, but surely that means the Polish economy gets better, which is better for all of us. Yeah, yeah. That's better absolutely. for all of us, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the, the, there's going to be another country with money to spend. That's good, isn't it? And I take that kind of view with Welsh rugby lab, but surely Jamie Roberts signing into this league is better for all of us, isn't it? <laughs> so we, we, you've... Less tangents, we somehow get in record time, like at least it took us a long time to get from Stephen Myler to depression. We managed to get straight away, straight shot from Jamie Roberts to the Polish economy. <laughs> you can't tell anybody. You just don't get this in other rugby content, I'm sorry. Because it's not rugby content, probably what, half of you are what, saying. What would Peter say? What would Peter say? <laughs> what would Peter think about the Polish being here? There's actually quite a large Polish contingent in the town where I live. They've, they've okay. settled quite... And there's a lot of them in my kids' schools because I am a Roman Catholic person. So, mm. And obviously so are the Poles. There's a massive Polish shop in my town. And I've got, I, funny enough, I went in today. They do belting bread, for those of you who haven't been in Polish shops. Yeah. And there's oh. also an entire... And I'm not even joking. An entire one side of a very long aisle mm. is gherkins. Okay. Ooh, okay. Of different sizes up. of jars and different sizes of gherkin, and I'm assuming different types of vinegar. Okay, but I'm, it's all Polish writing that's on them, so that... I'm I'm fascinated by how much variation there can be in gherkins, but there yeah. quite clearly is. It's funny because the last time I went into an aisle and it just had gherkins, it was the Audi Center aisle. Yes, <laughs> another European product. Yes, absolutely. That'll all be gone soon. Uh, the other thing I like about this Jamie Roberts signing is that every <laughs> no, never mind had... that. Let's go. <laughs> back to... Yeah, go on, Jamie Roberts. Uh, every signing we've had this week, every player that's moved clubs, um, is a player I'd heard of ten years ago. 
So we have Jamie Roberts, we have Manu Tiolangi, we have Matt Garvey, we have uh, Sione Kalamafoni, we have Stephen Myler, and we have Logo Monopola, uh, all of which have changed clubs this week, all of which were playing in either in the 2011 World Cup or, you know, Matt Garvey was playing the Premiership alongside it. Stephen Myler, <laughs> yes, he got that one cap, but that doesn't count. Um, yeah, so I just, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the... Ollie the, Barclay the... signing for Worcester next week. The, oh, the... I can't wait. <laughs> Mullapola, man. Is it Gloucester he's gone to? Gloucester, yeah. Whoa. I mean, so, they've really got no fucking money at all, have they? <laughs> the poor fuckers. My, my theory is they're stealthily trying to get in on his triplets. Because... <laughs> oh, yes. Lock them down. Yeah. <laughs> get he them has... a form. <laughs> they've got Billy Twaltree, so he can keep them calm. He can take them all on a bike ride. Oh, I tell you what, imagine pulling the Mullapola triplets around <laughs> on the back of your bike. You'll need all his quad strength for that, won't he? The best thing is their mother is Castro Giovanni's sister. Oh, this is just this just gets better and better. I desperately want now, one of them to play for England, one for Samoa, one for Italy. And them imagine the flat, the fucking documentary you can make out of that. By the way, <laughs> never mind oh, yeah. Child of Our Time. I want to see. I want to watch that. <laughs> Monster of Our Time. <laughs> anyway, so Jamie Roberts got to the Dragons. World Rugby. Other news. <laughs> World Rugby are talking about limiting the number of subs. There's a discussion going on. Um, yeah. So, where do you stand on that? Well, I, no, before we get to that, do we know, is it it's just a consultation with a view to maybe having an idea, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, they're, they're having a chat about it. Uh, nothing's confirmed yet. Um, I am open to it, but it does, it depends on how far they go. You know, I don't want them banning substitutions. Or it's like, you hear Jiffy saying every year, you know, to go down to only for injuries or whatever. Because um, I think they're a core part of the game now. Um, and maybe you have an eight-man bench still, but you can only use, you know, your front row plus two others or whatever, or you know, or for injuries allowing. Um, I don't know, but I I think it's become a really core cool part of the game, and it's something I feel like I feel very strongly about the fifty twenty two rule that's coming in Australia. Um, that that's a case of the lawmakers trying to do an attack coach's job, you know, and trying to tire players out and change mm. the way defenses work and so on. Mm. And actually, they should just leave it to attack coaches because generally, if you look at the history of rugby, it always goes in face... And Eddie Jones said this as well. It always goes in face of attack, defense, attack, defense, you know. That is true, um, actually, yeah. Yeah. So I don't like that rule at all. Um, this, my initial reaction was don't do it because, <laughs> because I've become in that vein of just, no, actually, leave the laws. They work as they are. Um and there was something great about the way South Africa used their bench last year, and I liked it. It's become a core part of the game. But the more I think about it, the more I don't well, mind. The way they used their bench, they just brought an entirely new international pack on. Yeah, pretty exactly. much. Exactly. <laughs> it was the thing I was saying in the um, when I did that. You know, when I was doing the uh, the document, the official documentary yeah. uh, the other week. Uh, yes. <laughs> and they, they is that public like, news, by the way? I genuinely don't know. Um, it is now. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm. I recorded it for it anyway. Uh, they didn't make me sign anything, so I couldn't say. Um, I recorded a bit for it. They might cut all of it, um, but they talked to me for like an hour and a half. And Francois Lowe was waiting outside. Um, he was being interviewed next. Um, when I came outside at the hotel bar, Francois Lowe was sat behind a laptop, and it was you know like um, Mr. Incredible and Incredible. <laughs> that was, in his little, that was the image was I got like, immediately. Yeah. yeah. And is it Patricia to kind of point out as the combat? I couldn't quite place it. Um, but yeah, he was kind of, he's got the same laptop I have, but he made it look like a Nintendo DS, whereas it's about the size of me. And he was kind of properly like hulked over it. And it was, I had to hold in laughing 
because I don't want to. I don't want to laugh at Francois Lowe in his face yeah. because he is. What a the big fuck boy. are you laughing at? <laughs> yes, because he's he's um, Welsh. It sounds like from what I just did. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he's he works at the Polish shop. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's the, oh, I should have asked about gherkins. Why they've only in you? They've only in you. Uh, um, I can't where that was going. Um, World rugby. You don't like fifty twenty two. You were talking to them. Go. Oh. South yes, Africa's um, bench, subs. My point was just, I said this a few times in the documentary, is a point I kept coming back to, that they had the first and second best pack in the competition and they were able to use that. Um, and maybe if you allow it to be, there was a concession made and they didn't have a cover 10 on the bench unless you count Francois Stein. Um, so they couldn't change in that way. And I suppose that that becomes the concession you're making. You maybe increase up to nine-man benches, but say you can only use four or five of them. Um, As something something like that is what I would like because yeah. I actually think that what we've got now. Mm. How do I put this? I don't. I don't want to say at least a lazy coaching. I don't think it makes yeah. it difficult enough for coaches. They don't have to make enough yeah. decisions about their bench because yeah. they just empty at a certain time. And this definitely doesn't come from the fact that I like I write live minute by minute reports of the Guardian, and it's a fucking colossal <laughs> pain in the ass when you're trying to write what's going on and tell of when those that point in the game when about thirteen different names you have to cobble together of who's replaced who and all that kind of stuff. That's that is a massive pain in the ass. But I do think genuinely, I think if you had something like yes, you can have your bench, but you can only use this amount, and mm. and it's not the whole front row. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, or if you are going to use a whole front row, that's that's your entire sub thing gone. Yeah, let's say it's three. You can do the yeah. front row if you want, but then the rest of your team is as it is. And I do think it makes you then start to. Th- I think that'd be really fascinating to see. Well, what what would they have on the bench, and yeah. what kind of strategy would you use your bench for, other than tipping a load of fucking monsters off the bench? Do you know? Because that's yeah. ultimately what um, it's become, really. Swapping your scrum. Why are you scrapping your scrum half? Yeah. Do you need um, to? You know, if you could only do it three, would you would would you find scrum halves will play eighty minutes again? Yeah, and I think that that would make for an interesting and more. I do agree the part of the game you can't ban them; that's daft. But I do yeah. think there's you could make it more of a tactical consideration. I think, and I it is a pet peeve of mine that thing of bringing off your scrum half at a set point, you know, on sixty minutes, which is prearranged. And it, and it is almost it, like it doesn't matter how they're playing; it's so yeah. mystifying. Because they're not going to be yeah. tired, are they? I mean, these are professional athletes. <laughs> you know, they could do an 80-minute game. It's not... I, You know, and if they are beginning, to, you know, by all means, whatever. But it, I also wonder, if you were to, say, increase bench sizes but or, you know, change this rule so that you're only bringing certain players on, if you then think in advance, well, we'll only bring off so-and-so in case of injury, do you then put two scrum halves on the bench and say, okay, so this one's a great kicker, this one's a more nippy option, depending on what the game mm. looks like in the second half? Um, does it begin to change the way you look at how you build your bench rather than it just being we have to cover every position? Or you could go the Soccer World Cup route where effectively you can pick anybody from your squad. Yeah. Which yeah. you can do. I mean, basically, you could look at a game and go, oh, I've not played it for four games, but it looks like it needs a big lanky twat up front. Go on, get on. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, And there could be something of that, that actually everybody is kind of kitted up and ready to go on match day. And you go, and you go, top, and, and we could have that. What about that thing that happened with um, in England in the 70s that he qualified for the 1974 World Cup? And Al Ramsey said, Kevin gets stripped. And Kevin Keegan stood up. He went, no, not you. And he put Kevin Hector, who played for Derby. Never was like, oh, they're bringing Kevin Hector on, okay. And you could have loads of moments like that. Yeah, I mean, Derby were a good team then, but Kevin Hector was as good as Kevin Keegan. But it's kind of, 
But I'd love to see I a bit am. of that. There's some somebody completely random gets thrown on, and then and the questions at the end. So why did you bring him on then, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> I remember once during a four, I think it was 2010, maybe the the football World cup, a team having three goalies on the bench. I'm thinking like normally teams don't have four. Well, goalies you have in three squad. goalies in your squad. Yeah, yeah. But when I you can pick from having three on the bench. I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a false memory that I've inserted. But I remember being really baffled and finding it very funny. Well, the football uh, world cup, you can pick from anybody in your squad, and there's three goalies in your squad. Mm. Well, there should be one on yeah. the field at least, though. I suppose that's confusing. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I, I think the, I don't think you should be able to. I don't think you should be able to use eight substitutions. I don't think. I think that that that's run its course now. But I don't. Yeah, I think yeah. I agree with you. Maybe a bigger bench with with a limited number of subs. With all the Maybe usual blood caveats and all that stuff. Maybe they could keep it at eight men on the bench, but have only seven subs you have to use so that more players can experience what it's like to be me at under 16s. <laughs> right to them. You've got World Rugby's ear now. <laughs> yeah, Put it in a memo yeah. and send it to them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right then, that was that. So, other more daft news. Ben Teo and Mike Brown apparently are still. This is news now. This is where we are. Ben Teo and Mike Brown are apparently still not speaking after that England camp row. It got them both dropped from the World Cup. Um, I mean, Ben Teo's gotten over in his usual way, obviously, by going and collecting another massive check from yet another high-profile rugby organisation. So he's not bothered, I don't think. But um, No. I wonder, it's what, funny, isn't it? Will we ever know? No. Because that's it. There's still not... It prompted me to, again, look up do we know what happened? Do we have any details on what happened? And I haven't heard anything. I don't know if there are details out there, if there's some floating around. Um, and like Ben Teo says in this, to be honest, I don't think it was a big deal. When I woke up in the morning, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. So he repeats that twice, so he clearly means it. <laughs> uh, it wasn't as big as a deal as I got at Worcester Warriors, nor as big of a deal <laughs> yeah, as yeah. I got <laughs> currently on a business Just Broncos. Me. Yeah. I know all about big deals. <laughs> this definitely wasn't one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that rumbles on. Saris in in, in other in non transfer news. Mm. Saris are keeping everybody. Yeah. As they head into which, the championship. Which is a bold decision to play championship rugby in a Lions year. Did you notice all these signings came the week after Gatlin said, yes, I'll still pick people who... Oh, no, it wasn't. It was McGeekin said. McGeekin said, didn't he? I'd pick... If I was in charge, I'd pick Sarri's right. players. Gatlin said nothing. Gatlin's got his own problems to worry about right now. Yes. But, um, so, yeah. um, I mean, I, you know what? In a way, I'm kind of glad it happens because if they did have a fire sale, I might mm. start to feel a modicum of sympathy for them. So I'm yeah. glad they're doubling down on still being, you know the dark side and also yeah. and the fact that they've they've every single player that's done it is being smug as fuck about it on the social media channels yes so it's like oh, yeah absolutely. fine I'm, I'm i'm here for this now because i can just start not liking you no more and continue continue yeah. with that um but on a serious note robbie um can you imagine mm. for imagine for a second what that squad is going to do to those poor I fuckers know. in the championship next year and that's like you begin to look at. I suppose actually, whoever won National Division One probably hasn't been relegated because they got rid of promotion relegation from most of the lower leagues. Mm. I think it was only the Championship but they carried it over. 
But if you were coming up from National Division 1 and you're suddenly playing the reigning European champions, you're playing Owen Farrell and Mauro Toje, Billy Vanapola, and I'm sure they'll, they won't turn out for that many games. I'm sure they'll kind of wrap them in cotton wool and it'll be, you know, they, they basically are now signing a championship dream team and they're having all of these players coming from other championship sides and like Will Hooley coming up from the USA and so on and loads of tier two, uh, I think a Namibian signing for them as well. Um, I'm sure they'll play the bulk of the rugby, but if they do just unleash Owen Farrell and co on a, a, a lower, you know, <laughs> on Mosley, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, imagine. It'll be I like do a, want to watch it. It'll be like a turkey shoot if the turkeys were drugged and nailed to the floor and then the Saris turned up in the Death Star and just started firing the lasers <laughs> yeah, yeah. at them. It'll, it'll be something like that. Yeah, them being the dark side. And, yeah. and Saris it's... have got an entire rack of much better signings than Leicester Tigers, which is an un... yeah, yeah. <laughs> the team that's relegated has kept more players than the team than the, the one of the oldest greatest names that are still in the top division. This is where we are I mean, now. The, the Premierships felt like a formality for them. You know that's felt inevitable. Imagine how the Championships going to feel. Do you remember Can we when just keep dropping Saracens down the division each year and just seeing how much more ridiculous it becomes? Do you remember when Chris Ashton, Chris Ashton signed for say Northampton from Wigan, mm. and then they got relegated, yeah. and he said, oh, "I'm still coming," yeah. and he scored was it 177 oh. tries or something in that in that <laughs> season? Imagine what they're gonna do, man. That was Northampton. It was pretty, de- you know, it was Northampton back then. They'd been relegated because they weren't that good the year before. Sarries were. It's not even like they're not that good. <laughs> you know, they've been relegated. On a, let's be honest, on a technicality. Yeah. You know. And it's that thing that happens whenever, you know, I remember Worcester and Leeds and so on going down and they go from being a really just forward orientated club in the premiership to suddenly playing sexy offloading rugby yes. the moment they go down. And Saracens, they can already chuck the ball about and score tries. You know, they're not they're not necessarily a flair team, but they're really they're kind of an all park team, aren't they? They do yeah, everything exactly. very well without doing everything yeah. I know it sounds ridiculous, but no one thing exceptionally well. They're a Crusaders-type yeah. team, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, send the Crusaders down to Championship as well. See how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Give them some competition. <laughs> yes. This week at Illegal, as my visitors, the Crusaders. <laughs> no, not the ones who are going to kill you with swords, but it might as well be. Yeah, yeah. It'd be more merciful. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, finally, the the Lions tour's going ahead. That's been confirmed. Well, yeah. sorry, they've not moved the dates. It still may not go ahead. Let's just put that in very quickly <laughs> if the world takes over. I mean, how happy are Waikato Chiefs with this arrangement right now yeah. as they sit in their offices, do you think? <laughs> it's... It's it's certainly something that they, I suppose it doesn't mean they've got to change anything, does it? Um, so they're probably just just kind of shrugging. Um, yeah, it does mean that the Olympics and the Olympic sevens, which they confirmed the schedule for this week as well, now takes place the week between the first and second tests. Um, so right. the Olympics starts, I think, the night before the first test, and then runs through until it'll be the Sunday after the second test. Um, 
And the Lions tour now overlaps with, if you go from right the first warm-up game to the last test, it overlaps with both the Euros and the Olympics. Which, to say it's one of the two times in rugby that, you know, there's a proper huge quad-annual event, um, suddenly it's third tier in terms of British sporting thing. Especially with the Olympics, people who'd normally watch one of the biggest test matches in the week might end up watching mm. like the dressage or the trampolining, might they? Because that's what happens yeah. in the Olympics. You've got two oh. million, two million people are watching watching badminton instead of watching the first test. Yeah. And I, like, I grow to love handball every Olympics. Oh, handball goalie man, what a job! I know, it's most difficult. It's nice job seeing an elite sporting job that I can do. Because yeah. I can just jump in a starfish position and hope they hit me with a ball, which is effectively what it is. Yeah. I can take pain. It's basically <laughs> a bit rocky, isn't it? Brian Close, speaking of the balls hitting you in pain, Brian Close, the famous Yorkshire cricketer who was recalled mm-hmm. to the England West Indies, reminded me of it, who was recalled to the England team at the age of 45 in 1976 <laughs> because he batted quite well against the West Indies and then was then put up against like that terrifying pace attack. He'd made his test debut in 1949, and he was recalled. Wow. Okay. Was it 19... 19- wow. Yeah. He was recalled in 1976. He was 18 when he made his test debut and came back in 1976. 18? Yeah. Wow. Okay. If he, if he played for two more years, he could break Ethan Effay's record. <laughs> and he, uh, the, anyway, I'm only telling you this because he, he was famous for being able to withstand bouncers hitting him. And he okay. would say, a cricket, okay. bo- a cricket ball can't hurt you because it's only on you for a second. <laughs> Think about that. That's not true. <laughs> Think about that That's logic. not true. And Ken Barrington, he played with him. <laughs> Brian Close said, he's a big tough Yorkshire. Brian Close said to him, what you have to understand, Ken, is that pain is all in the mind. And Ken Barrington, is like a sorry bloke, said, says, yes, I know that's true, Brian, but it still fucking hurts. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love the idea as well of a cricketer that's picked for the same reasons that Rocky was a good boxer. <laughs> yes, they could, that he wouldn't be intimidated. He could just take people. Yeah, yeah, him going the distance, like Homer Simpson when he just he, he, he could just get punched in the head repeatedly until they're tired yes. and he pushes them over. Yeah, it didn't go well, by the way. They lost that series. Oh, that was the famous. Mind. If you don't know it, that's the famous grovel season. When Tony right. Gregg, the white South African captain of England, said of the West Indies, they're a very talented team, but when things get on top of them, they start to grovel, and I intend to make them grovel. I mean, that's a brilliant yes. look, isn't it? No, that rings a bell. It's a wonderful look, yeah. that, isn't it? A white <laughs> yes. South African man saying that about an entirely black cricket team. <laughs> anyway, oh, no. that is the yeah. end of the news. <laughs> Would you believe? We got there. We did it. Wow. Shall we talk about the weekend briefly? Okay. What have you um, got? I mean, we were beginning to say this before, but the novelty is starting to wear off with Super Rugby Aotearoa. And at the start of that first game, Grant Nisbet says in commentary, we're now halfway through Super Rugby Aotearoa. <laughs> what? Uh, I kind of went, we, what? I thought <laughs> next week was the final. I thought we were coming in on the end here. <laughs> Not that they're being held hostage, probably, all the players. <laughs> Yeah. They'll stop tackling each other because of Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> Certainly the Chiefs players are feeling like that. <laughs> See that last 20? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, oh. I've made it to that point at the top, but... Uh, you're good at analysis, Robbie. Analyse why that happened. 
<laughs> it feels so much like the that Wales team, as I was saying, in sort of 2010, 2014. And the thing with Warren Gatlin sides is always that they're brilliant when they're winning. And then it takes one game for either the wheels to come off completely or for them to turn into world beaters. And even in, and the, in the good periods, you know, it was in them, yeah. the Wales team, wasn't it? Yeah. Ireland in 2016 yeah. was it when they got humped there in Dublin. Yeah. And um, oh, it, It's always been there or thereabouts, yeah. Um, and I kind of feel like it could, if they'd won that game, I could have seen them going on to win every game the rest of this tournament. Whereas as it is, you wonder whether they will or won't, you know, whether they'll win a single game over the 10. Uh, and that's kind of just the nature of it. You know, it's that, that, that World Cup winning, no, not World Cup winning, uh, in my brain, World Cup, in my, my imagination, World Cup winning, <laughs> World Cup semi-final run um, last year, basically began because they did quite well against Argentina, you know, and that kind of, that and a lucky mm. win over the Springboks with that right, late Ryan Elias try. And they built so much confidence there that they built time on time and got them to do a really good, really good job building players and blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, he just, he's really good at, once his teams get confidence, it will grow. But unfortunately, that somehow means that the opposite is true and they get worse and worse when they start losing games. And I I, I think they'd be entitled to contention if that drop, you know, if there hadn't been the second drop goal by his son in that first game. The um, I think it must be particularly galling as well as how Jamie Robertsy the winning try was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just some bloke ambles single... through on an angle from about two metres out. <laughs> the single tear rolling down Warren's face as he imagines the one man he was still considering his son. Now, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no longer. I mean, he's. I mean, if you go off, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I mean, assuming he still motivates the same way. I mean, he's got to spend a lot of time holding up a Chiefs shirt on a coat hanger, isn't he? Calling them all cunts to get to get this sorted. <laughs> At least a full week of scheduling. <laughs> get yourselves ready for this week because you're spending all morning listening to me call you cunt while I hold up a shirt. How will that help? You shut up, you. <laughs> You'll do as you're fucking he can told. Afford a few new... Because the phone bill is so much shorter, he's calling Bryn, though. He can afford a few more coat hangers. <laughs> he's probably going to phone Jamie Roberts now, isn't he? That's probably what's happening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're sending him back to, to the Newport, so it's an equivalent distance. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it was a remarkable game of rugby. Mm. A truly oh, yeah. remarkable game and of rugby. It's so difficult because there's so little peril in this tournament, is there? You enjoy the kind of games in and of themselves, but after that, you're a bit like, meh. So where does that leave the standings? Yeah. No one cares. No one cares how that leaves the standings. Let's just enjoy that for what it was and all move on. And because, you know, the Crusaders were always going to win it. When you look at that game against the Blues last week, it's like, why did anyone think that anything else was going to happen? Obviously, the Blues were going to come out, start well, and then the Crusaders would be the Crusaders. And that was exactly what happened. That's what, what will continue to happen the whole way. Um, and as you were saying, the, the such little peril. I enjoyed all the games I've watched them, but as I was coming to do shit good this afternoon before doing this, I stopped and kind of thought. So what happened in the, in the, the you know the, that game I watched yesterday? What happened in it? I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good game while I was watching yes. it, but I suddenly remembered basically nothing. Yes, I mean the Crusaders have been watching both of those games this weekend, won't they? Doing their normal Sunday activities yeah. of like I don't know, slapping puppies and deliberately standing on insects and things. <laughs> And just go, we've got nothing to fucking worry about here, lads. I 
See, I don't think the Crusaders would slap puppies because it's a waste of energy. They just go straight and stab them <laughs> yeah, in like yes. the most, whatever the most vulnerable part is, you know. <laughs> Throwing the cats into moving really... traffic, stuff like that, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yeah. It's something evil, but effective. <laughs> yes. You can't argue with the process, lads. You might not like the outcome, but you can't argue <laughs> with the, the efficiency of the process. Um well, my big thing from the weekend is, I mean, I don't think I'll ever tire of watching Laumarpi's get-fucked finish to that try. Yes. As gratuitous yeah. as it was I, unnecessary. I love that you saw basically the complete him there, that he does this brilliant step. Um, and I, I tweeted a pun that was more like Lamar Shane, because it was like Shane Williams, but it didn't work at all. Um, <laughs> and I, I tweeted as well, but I... I discovered what it's like to not even get five likes on a tweet when you have 30,000 followers. Um, <laughs> an achievement, achievement for Do you know what? Bad. Isn't that the most crest-falling thing in the world where you craft something and you think, this is fucking funny, this is going to do well? And you put it out there and you're like, what the fucking hell? What? what? And it, you know, generally, I, I genuinely don't care that much about numbers and so on, but there's a little bit of you that does go... Well, sometimes you yeah, want people to rep go, yeah, that was that was a good bit of work, that, which is really what kind of retweets yeah, are, yeah. isn't it? And you think, okay, thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, it's just nothing worse yeah, when you, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, because uh, he then, so when he's sprinting, you know, he's clearly, he's going at some lick, he's, he's done brilliantly to get there. But it kind of reminded me of when I was playing, you know, when I played Touch since, of, there's something in his body language that makes it look like it's an accident as he's sprinting and he's kind of surprised it's gone that well. <laughs> and he's like, I'm just going to work with it. I'm going to make the most of this situation, but I was not expecting that to come off. And I've had a few times that's happened in games of touch where I've been like, Oh, I, right. I thought I was just taking that in, but I'm right in here. Okay. That happened to me in a, in a, in a rugby league nines. The equivalent of sevens in rugby league is nines. Mm. And I and I did that in a nice tournament once. I stepped inside somebody and suddenly found myself in open pasture with the posts about sixty meters away. And I was like, "Oh fuck! I don't want this. Yeah. I didn't want this at all." Yeah. And then he saw I kind of oh. opened my legs up, and I was looking over both shoulders, thinking, "Please, somebody to God run up who plays on my team on my yeah. shoulder, so I can put an end to this nightmare and put them in." And I've had like. I've played games of touch on, you know, <laughs> where we're not counting score, games of social touch, you know, and no one bothers chasing back. So you're like, all oh, right, I said, I'm sure I've got to run 80 meters and no one's chasing me. Like, come on, just, just, just give me the points. It's fine. We don't need to do this. We don't need this formality. Um, Seismic Shed, one of the listeners, this just reminded me, he was talking mm. about the, the subs thing. He was a prop and he said, and he said, yeah, we need to bring back that point where a prop just stands on the halfway and lets somebody run because they're so yes. knackered. Yeah. If you want to run that far, lad, you crack on because I ain't chasing you. <laughs> yeah. Um, right then. So I think that'll do from the weekend. We're running out of time. Yeah. And, you know, this thing, the, the nice, I think that's very true, actually. They're nice games as you watch them, but then it's very hard to, mm. to revel in them. Probably isn't that hard of you in New Zealand, yeah. though, obviously. But um, right then, should we go on to shit good? Let's. We start with shit usually. Have you got, have you got anything for shit there that you I, haven't mentioned already? I, I don't have that much for shit. I've got being vividly reminded of the 2010 and 2014-ish era Wales teams by the Chiefs and the fact that Gareth... In fact, I've mentioned all of my shit already. 
um, that Gary Anscombe still isn't fit, 440, 343 days and counting. And then Are we starting to get worried about that? I don't know. Well, because when he got injured, people were saying during that week, oh, he'll be fit to play this weekend. And no, he wasn't, if he's still not fit a year on. Yeah. yeah. Well, the longer it goes on, the more you're going to worry. And there's no updates either. There's, yeah. there's no... So, there's any, no. Well, any player spotters, ladies and gentlemen, of Gareth Anscombe <laughs> in or out of casts or anything anywhere? <laughs> Please. Shit wise. Yeah, my only other thing is a standing item in fifty twenty two, which we've covered. Yeah, not loving so, it. So yeah. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um I that's a good point out though, that stop trying to make laws that do an attacking coach's job for them. Yeah. yeah. Um shit, Reese not gets in touch. He says shit, is that Leicester away shirt? I mean, it looks like someone graffitied a passing smurf. <laughs> <laughs> um that's very I funny. mean I, you know, as I said this week, it, Leicester Tigers is very much a kind of previously on Leicester Tigers moment, isn't it? At the minute, because it's yeah. like a, a drama. And so, previously on Leicester Tigers, we had Manny Tulangi going and signing for sale within about an hour. Yeah, <laughs> Steve Diamond, Steve. you've all got to take a pay cut, or you're all going in this fucking threshing machine. <laughs> Ten minutes later, also Steve Diamond, welcome to our new signing, Manu Tuolangi, who's being paid a gold pig a week. Um, it was amazing that, they, again, in that hour, though, in between, Steve Diamond did take time to say, we're definitely not signing Manu Tuolangi, which is always, I remember there hadn't been, the one that always sticks with me is there had been no talk of Fafta Clerk going to sale, and then Steve Diamond said, we're not signing Fafta Clerk. Yeah. And you went, Nailed oh, we're on. signing Fafta Clerk then, fine. So the moment he said we're not saying Manu Tuolangi, it's like, oh, it's done, done deal. Yeah, cool. Nailed on. <laughs> Send that one to the printers. So everything else that's going on at Leicester, they then mm. add on to it then. One, this this new shirt which talks about inclusivity stuff, which people get terribly I you know, I have I've got nothing wrong with people trying to be inclusive. I think that people trying to put a lot of that stuff into designs. Yeah. It's always a fool's errand, really. Whatever you say a design represents usually in a shirt is a bit of a fool's errand, really. Um yeah. if it's not that. And then, of course, they're now looking. They're now bring slowly bringing in weirdly this new logo. Yes, aren't they? Which is a yeah. T in the colours, but a T for Tigers. Yeah, and I can't help I thinking this is a this is a, a soft market test of a of a new logo, isn't it? Yeah, I worry. It, see, the Leicester Tigers is one of the three rugby logos that people that aren't rugby people recognise. Mm. People will see that logo and go, "Oh, that's the Leicester Tigers." I know that. I know that as you know. Is that and wasp? Really I don't know. The did they? That people did, know? did they have a history? Did they, were they nicknamed tigers before people did started doing this? Was a tiger a thing that was associated was with them? Because they're stripes, isn't it? It's right. Okay. Because they always wore stripes. Well, they didn't have a tiger on the badge I previous think... to this. Because they haven't just had a bloody town crest on their badge, didn't they, back in the day? But <laughs> yeah. um, the uh, city, sorry, city crest. But mm. I know it reminds. It, when I saw it, the first thing I thought of when I saw that T thing was. I don't know if you, you you're not a big soccer fan here, but Juventus mm. got a new badge about mm-hmm. in the last ten years, which was a J, right? And like quite an art, uh, kind of you know very sort of practically designed J sort of thing, and everyone kind of loved yeah. it the way they saw it was like another iconic thing for this iconic club. But straight away, I thought that looks a little bit like that kind of wheelhouse, really. So they yes. talk about having it on yeah, certain no, no, lines of merchandise, yeah. dice and stuff, and I think that that's what this is. It's a precursor to, yeah, maybe going back to Colin. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'm reading remember, too much into it. 
about 10 years ago when South Africa tried to put the flower on the shirt and they moved the spring box to the sleeve. Yes, I do remember that, yeah. Is there, yeah, something of that happening? Is there That went down well, didn't something it? Something of maybe the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what happens there. What else have got the shit here? Neil Webber gets in touch. He said, shit is the Chiefs collapse versus the Highlanders. Yes. As he says, also says, unexpectedly taking all their Welsh fans back to the 90s. Well, you've hitched your fucking, yeah. you've hitched your horse on this wagon now. You've got no chance. Um, <laughs> Anna says, shit is expanding the Pro 14, so there's even more teams for Cardiff Blues to lose to. Blessed, yeah. I I'm mean, quite excited about all this, though. I, I there, there was say, a really good... Yes, you say... Go on. Sorry, go on. I was just, yes, you say Cardiff Blues to lose to. I say encounter. Our new replacement for Luke Price is Stephen Myler. <laughs> <laughs> Let that One sink win in. Guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. The, um, and I forgot the point I was going to make now. I've completely forgotten the point I was going to make. It was about South African teams coming in. And now, no, it's all right. I can't remember what it was now. I might have come back to it. Rianne Lowe gets in touch and says, Shit is being kicked out of Super Rugby. And then he did a brilliant typo and said, I'm really going to, I'm really going to kiss playing our New Zealand buddies. <laughs> but he, he then corrected it very quickly to miss, but I was, I'm saying it anyway because it made me laugh. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was it. I, really I was going to say, I remember what I was going to say. I remember okay. what I was going to yep. say. Uh, the Irish barrister guy from Cork, Tim, I can't remember his name on Twitter. He's a good oh, yeah. follow. Um, yeah. Uh, I've gone blank. He's well. so good. We can't remember uh, what his name is. His- yeah, I can picture his yeah. profile. He um, wrote a very long sort of prediction about how this might change the voting blocks in World Rugby. Okay, Tim O'Connor. Tim O'Connor. Always worth a follow. Don't always agree with him, but he's he's always worth a follow. Mm. Um, and he made a big part about this could change the voting blocks because South Africa have no interest in voting with the traditional Sanzar unions yeah. anymore. And it might change something. So th- that's worth a watch, I think. Watch this space. Ewan Miller yeah. gets in touch, and he says he said good was the Highlanders' comeback, but he says that shit is in a parallel non-corona universe. I would have been kick, ticking off multiple bulk, bucket list points watching Scotland play New Zealand in the last few weeks. Oh man, probably the second string, but it doesn't matter. I'd have been in Dunedin watching it. Yeah, you forget about oh. this stuff, don't you? It's... Yeah, Graham loves. It's amazing that it isn't March. Yes, you know that all this stuff was actually going ahead. Graham Love says that shit is... And if you go on the ESPN... I'm sorry, Graham, I will read out your thing in a minute, but um, on, the, on the ESPN fixture site, all the original fixtures are still in. <laughs> oh, so you get no. these super rugby fixtures and then this like postponed whatever international games were meant to be so, on. Wales's games against New Zealand were never actually postponed. Or was it the game against Japan was never actually postponed? Oh. They never made an announcement. Did anyone tell Japan? Off. So, yeah. I... I don't know. None of the players turned up. You know, I imagine it's put down as a buy. Uh, what else we got in shit? Graham Love. Sorry, Graham. He says hello, Graham. He says shit. Is Saracens continuing to give Callum Clark a career in rugby? He said, and on a related note, he said, but it's it's not really good, but more hilarious is that I got blocked by Saracens for that tweet that I sent, where he said, "Did you have to twist his arm?" Which is Which fucking is brilliant, by the way. That doesn't deserve blocking. That deserves. You should you should invite you round for that. Yeah. Um, they should sign you to play in the championship. They should sign you as their social media editor. Um, yes, comrade Sporty says the shit is the fact that New Zealand are getting ma- are getting a massive head start over the rest of us. Well, you know, but that, pretty much, pretty much been the case already. That's the history of rugby you just stated there. 
<laughs> yes. Moving on to good. Uh, good, I've got... I just want to make a point. Andy Jolly, who is he's a lovely man on Twitter, and I think he's a listener, he made some, some hot sauce called Jolly's Hot Sauce, and he DM'd me, he said, do you want some of this sauce? I said, yes, please. He made, he sent, he took the time to send it to me. I've eaten oh. it, Andy, and it's bloody lovely. In fact, I've eaten most of it with, with chicken, mostly. It's belted. <laughs> okay, but here's the test. Would you have it as a base on a pizza? <laughs> mm, no. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm quite a purist about some things, like that communist <laughs> in Cardiff. No matter how lovely. So uh, <laughs> another good for me is see a Khaleesi's interview in The Guardian and everything yes. that his foundation is doing. What's not so good is that obviously, weirdly, that I just basically said, look at this but as you see a Khaleesi, and it, it went a little bit viral. Lots mm-hmm. of people started retweeting it. So of course, most people have got other responses, and then, of course, you always get the small minority of people who talk absolutely, utterly misogynistic bollocks as a result, as a result yeah. of it. Yeah. Well, you know, Medovic is domestic violence as well. I'm not doubting that, mate, but I think that it's okay for Sia to focus his attention on the sex that is the overwhelming perpetrator of sexual and domestic yeah. violence. I think we start there, okay, and may, and maybe yeah. somebody else will do the bit you're concerned about. Absolutely. It, do people assuming that they're being attacked when they're not. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it? Unbelievable. And then, of course, you start looking at these people. Somebody else said, maybe maybe not rapping about bitches and hoes would help. <laughs> Which Sia Khaleesi does, of course. Though he has signed for what? Jay-Z's management company this week. Has he? That won't yeah, be amusing. Yeah, him and Chesney Colby have both That's signed for Jay-Z's company. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, you know not all, somebody pointed out in a response, not all black people are rappers. And not <laughs> all black people that rap, rap about bitches and hoes either. No. Because it's not 1997. Yeah, that, that leap in logic there. Yes. Unbelievable. So that's, you know, and this is why, yeah. And then, of course, you go and look at these people's Twitter feeds, and it's a fucking bin fire of, oh, of, of always, pretend yeah. not racist stuff that's blatantly racist. And there's never any tweets. They're always replying to other tweets. They never say anything themselves. <laughs> yeah, or just retweet stuff that's blatantly racist but pretending not to be. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I went off on one there. The main point <laughs> nope. is that Sia Khaleesi's work, the, the main quote was, if we educate our sons, we won't have to protect our daughters. I mean, how could anybody have a fucking problem with that? Yeah. I, he's such a consistently impressive individual. And it's him and his, to be fair, it's him I, and his wife's foundation. I don't want to put it all on him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I swear, yeah, yeah the pair of them are consistently impressive. Um, but I made this point in the Springboks video I did recently, but... He's the thing that shines about him as a captain is his sheer empathy for the players around him, yeah. and he's not just a inspirational figure. He is that as well, and he is a great player. But he's also clearly such a good listener and thinks about others. I bet he, um, I bet he doesn't motivate with shame. Down. I bet he embraces no, vulnerability. No, he I'm telling you, yeah, very much a modern captain. He just seeks wonderful. Yes, I absolutely. was covering the um, final for the Guardian. And obviously, mm-hmm. I've got a certain amount of detachment when I'm writing. And I don't have a problem detaching when I'm writing. But yeah. when England lost at the end, I did take a minute to kind of go, oh, fuck, they haven't won the World Cup, you know, sort of thing. And um, yeah. after that, such a good performance. And, and you know, but to be honest, it, it, it was easier because it had been such a total and utter fucking pasting. You, you analyse yes. it better than yeah. I do, but ultimately, it was a pasting. And um, yeah. But then there was that moment where you're just like, 
when you're watching him lift the trophy and everything, it was just like this is this is remarkable. Yeah. And he's such he a remarkable person as well. It's like he's got everything going yeah. for him. And now he works for Jay Z. That's gonna go well, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. Oh he'll be getting invited to lots of events and that, won't he? And all that. Oh. Yeah, and he can sit in the corner calmly being the voice of reason. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe he can pick up this point about bitches and hoes that that guy's concerned about. That obviously <laughs> needs to be addressed, doesn't it? Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so what else have we got that's good? You got any good? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of bits. I've got Lachlan Bosch here, who I'm a big fan of anyway. He kind of He's the kind of player Warren Gatland's clearly missed coaching. In He's just a really workman-like six. Yes. I think he spent too much time with like Justin Tipperick and Toby Fowler and all these like amazingly talented athletes. And you know, like like Sam Warburton just being world class. Like we don't sometimes you just want to work with a really bog standard, does all his work, hard working, hard hitting bloke. And Lockland Bosch's try as he he puts the ball down in the most nonchalant way, as he just kind of runs over, slows himself down, doesn't dive at all, just kind of puts it down so it's a formality, I've as though he's slightly annoyed he's gotta do got it. All the fucking time on. in the world. For people who just yeah. do that slight bend down one handed, just just kiss the grass with the end, with the pointy yeah. end with one hand. Yeah. If you heard it that with, like without context, the kiss down. the grass with the pointy end sounds <laughs> really really bad. But... Yeah. Um, what else you got? My other point as well. Uh, yeah. So TJ Farinara, both generally, and for there was one point in that first game this weekend. Playing 10, of course, these... if people have, haven't yes. realised. He was playing 10 this weekend. Uh, there's a point when he saw the scrum off uh, where the scrum was setting with the opposition ball. And he turns, looks at how the opposition backs are, to, are set up and starts telling the referee what move he thinks they're going to run. It's like, <laughs> that move's so shit. <laughs> Even I know what's going on. <laughs> and that is peak scrum off play for me. Yeah. I was it like a really crap like eighties one as well? <laughs> they're gonna, yeah, yeah. They're gonna run an eight it's nine like run an eight nine fourteen off this ref. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a fucking they're gonna run a rangy here, ref. Yeah, yeah. Pivot. Uh, we're gonna Patricia gets in touch, says good is Lomblau Mappy proving he's able to go around Bowden Barrett but choosing not to go not to go directly through him because he's just so good at that as well. Yes, absolutely. Ross Mather gets in touch. He says, good is the Chiefs cha- Chiefs for change making a huge impact. Mm. Their website is insightful and well thought out. They're doing a really fucking good job with this. Whatever yeah, the outcome of it are. might be, and they've changed the debate. And they're, yes. they're to be given and credit for that. They force Exeter to actually consider it. And there's been people talking, you know, not least on this very podcast, but people talking about this for years. And nothing's happened, and now actually they've managed to get Exeter to review it, um, which is big in of itself, and they deserve enormous credit for that. And he said that he says that also linked to he says shit is the garbage piece in the Sunday Times today, which was on Sunday. If you're not listening on Sunday, on the same subject with more than a few other commentators lining up the same angle. I haven't seen the Sunday Times piece, but um, I have you seen it? No, I've no, seen I saw the Telegraph piece thing. last week where they weighed up the pros and cons of it and it didn't weigh mm-hmm. up the pros and cons at all. It just had a comment from a bloke who's now their forwards coach or he's or he's he's on the he's mm-hmm. the general manager or something. Right. He basically said we don't mean anything bad by it. And you know, no. no no Native Americans were like moved on reservations in Devon, so it's okay. 
and that, and I think it's disgraceful that we're being called racist. That was it, really. So it wasn't really a pros. The, 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 the headline was misleading. The other thing they're saying about yeah, that's because there were no Native Americans in Devon. What's it got to do with Exeter anyway? And I've said this if before. There it's was the some survey, sort of proud the, history that tied in. The survey point Sorry, as well. On. They always quote the surveys, mm. don't they? There's been a survey done, and so yeah. you know, and a few, and a lot of sixty percent of them aren't even bothered. So okay, so what percentage have to be bothered? Does it have to be a majority? Is yeah. that how we decide what's wrong now? We yeah. have to survey, and, and only only a clear a fifty-two forty-eight majority is how we decide on everything now. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, yeah. Um, there's no way we could feel a fallout of fifty-two forty-eight majority on anything. There's there's no nothing that happened in twenty sixteen that I'm still annoyed about that had a fifty. Well, what's that weird obs- Not to get political. What's that um, obs- <laughs> obsession with empiricism as well? Unless you can show me <laughs> empirical evidence that it harms them, then I am not going to. I don't think there's anything in this. It's like seriously. Yeah. I, I, it's an. Is there is there empirical evidence that the N word causes actual harm? There probably yeah. isn't, is there? And yet we all know it's no. wrong and it shouldn't be done. It's an incredibly male thing to do. Oh, to hugely. demand yeah. numbers. Yeah. Yeah, and then keep right. refret anyway. Spent too long on that last week, <laughs> week before. But there you go. Yeah. But I think that you know, surveying, surveying your way into what's the right thing to do. Is, if that's the way the world, yeah. if that's the new normal, I come back to, I might start backing the coronavirus. Yeah. Um, Scott Beatty gets in touch. He says, good is Howick RFC, up there in the borders, aren't they, Howick? And said, um, who have turned their pitch into a beer garden during lockdown? Nice. Yeah, you see, we're saying nice, nice now. But I've been that guy who has to spread out five metres of park and walk up and down the pitch and pick up shit off a pitch before uh, you play on it. Somebody's going to have to do that, you know, after all this has happened. But good for them, though. Very good yeah, community good thing. Well I'm moaning. Morgan says, good is my other half watching a first game of NRL. Yes. And immediately <laughs> asking why all of their shorts were so tiny, but then worryingly not talking about anything else for about 25 minutes. It has a mesmerizing <laughs> it has a mesmerizing effect on the viewer, does the NRL. What can you say? What can you say in response to the NRL? <laughs> exactly. Other than ouch. Yes, ouch. It's, I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's the greatest achievement in human history, the NRL. <laughs> for good all of humanity's in there, for good or for bad. Um Shakespeare. Fine. <laughs> yes, it's, it's in three acts. Shoulder charges. In yeah. three acts. First half, second half. And the fucking dumpster fire that happens off the field. It's fucking glorious. <laughs> um, James Gorkroger gets in touch finally. He says, good is Moonga's restart kick from last week. Yeah, we didn't get to talk about that last week. Yes. We just dribbled it along the floor and caught it follows, again. Immediately follows a charge down conversion as well. Yeah, it does, yeah. Which, oh, so I'd already made a, a loud, oh, noise. <laughs> Involuntary noises, love it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately followed by another one when that happens. It was glorious. It was a great few minutes. And then he throws a pass that made me do another aloud, like, I don't know what my neighbours thought when I was just shouting, oh, hello, repeatedly as things happened. <laughs> I didn't think that um, pass was as good as people were making out. Cards on the table. I, it was... The it guy was, was stood was quite obviously stood in about 10 metres of space. I'd expect any person to see that pass. <laughs> but he sort of, he threads it quite nicely. He does thread it, looks, it quite nicely, it I suppose. Like, yeah. I'm just being my usual. That's not as good as when I something I saw in 1992. <laughs> old bastard thing. Um, 
He also said Aaron, James also says that Aaron Smith was very good. He was very good this weekend, wasn't he? And he's properly yeah. back oh, yeah. to the way he should be. That's probably yours, unless you've got anything else, Robbie. Um, oh, the only other thing I've noted down is there's a, you know, pitch side interviews normally shit as a standing item. Yeah. Uh, this week, Christian Cullen was on Cocoms and bleeding oh, the the in- pitch interview. Yeah. Um, and he then came to interview Tanner Umanga. And there's a moment as he's introducing himself in which Tanner Umanga then goes, oh, all right, mate. And, you know, <laughs> and then have like a moment where they're kind of like, oh, I haven't spoken to you in a while. And there's like 15 seconds of it being quite a nice catch up between these two former All Blacks teammates. And then it gets back to, you know, Christian Collins. I was asking, the, so do you think you need to front up? He's like, yeah, we need to be physical and what have you. But you think you're playing in the right areas. Nice no, but it, well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yes, I think we are. And if we're not, I think we should do it more. Yeah. <laughs> we need to be accurate. <laughs> yes. The usual. The um and it just shows you that little flash of humanity, which seems like a highlight of the weekend, just shows you what is wrong with most sporting yes. interviews, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. That's it. Robbie, thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful ah. chat. I mean, I, I'm, I'm Josh is, when he comes back, Josh will have to up his game on the tangents because that was <laughs> some remarkable, I... remarkably played stuff in there. So. I don't know how I've managed it. I don't. I, I had to bring my A game to try and match Gardner. Uh, but, you know, I'll take my positives, go forward to next week. Uh, All right, mate. Yeah. yeah. Right. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back. Patrons, you lovely patrons, we'll be back Thursday night, probably, with some 90s chat. Thank you, everybody, and goodbye. Ta-da. Thank you. Some days the couch just calls to us. Take a seat, grab the remote. My cushions are extra cosy today. And while we all want to get off the couch to set a healthier routine, not knowing how to start can feel overwhelming. Healthy Ireland is a trusted source for easy-to-follow tips and advice, like getting a friend involved with your healthy habits so they'll be able to motivate you on those tougher days. Search Healthy Ireland and get set for life this winter. From Healthy Ireland, a Government of Ireland initiative supporting health and well-being for everyone and helping us off our couches. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.